0: starting another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I'm a little bit off my game today, but we will get the show rolling. So today we have Pete with us and Pete comes from a different background. I wanted to bring in another recruiter so that we could talk about the ways that we hire both executive talent as well as other talent within this space and get more insights from them. So If you're listening to us live on LinkedIn, follow myself, follow Pete. If you're listening to us live on YouTube, hit that notification button, the subscribe button, and then the notification button down below. If you're following us on Twitch, ensure to follow us and submit your questions. We will try to answer what we can live and after the fact and have a good old show. So Pete, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you interested in cybersecurity?
1: Awesome. Well, um, I guess about 2014, I didn't even know what cybersecurity was. So I'm actually coming up on my eight-year anniversary in the field. It'll be July 14th. Um, I started off as a tech recruiter for K KFORCE, um, working on like systems architects and developer roles and stuff like that. Um, then I got approached by... Uh, CEO of a former company that I had joined called Align. They're an IT audit shop. Uh, They did pen testing as well. And I was uh, employee number 15 over there, Um, basically taught myself all the security terminology and taught myself the industry. And that's where I cut my teeth in security, uh, helped them hire over 100 people in two and a half years, Um, Also stood up their HR department and campus recruiting program and developed an applicant tracking system from scratch and uh, built a certification tracking system from scratch. So I got to be really intimately familiar with all the security certifications out there, at least in the audit GRC space. Um, And then from there, I went and started InfoSec Hires. That was my first uh, security recruiting firm. And now I'm on my second uh, InfoSec Connect And uh, we've been helping companies hire security people for so many years now, it seems like. So, uh, yeah, that's my story. Wow.
0: Um, That's quite interesting. When it comes to, we'll stick on the security side, but what are some of the, the interesting things you've learned about recruiting in
1: security? Let's start there versus other niches. Sure, yeah. i found that security recruiting is completely different, and the generalist recruiters that don't understand the security field, they struggle because they don't understand a lot of the mindsets, a lot of the intangibles when it comes to uh, recruiting security people. Uh, There's a fundamental difference between hiring a security engineer and an accountant. Uh, So I think a lot of the issues we see with recruiting and security is the recruiters are generalists and not specialists. So that's why I think it helps to have people like me that really, and Joe Hudson, I'm sure you guys have had on, uh, that really understand the security industry intimately and can help guide people and help hiring managers uh, adjust expectations when needed and and stuff like that. Um, so I would say there's a few things like there's an element of ego, I think, for especially uh, people that have been in the security field for a number of years. Uh, there's also just the fact that there's such a shortage of the experienced folks that the demand is so high that you end up having people that get a little bit full of themselves because everybody wants to hire them. And I've found that uh, especially for security roles, hiring managers have a very narrow set of expectations as far as what that ideal candidate might look like Um, even more so than in tech for instance and it seems like there's a lot more intangibles in security hiring than there there would be in tech like if you're hiring a developer you know they have to know x y and z language and x y and z framework and it's pretty straightforward Uh, in security there's so many deep specialties but then you have people that are generalists and, and a lot of times hiring managers are looking for all of that in the same person. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's what I'm.
0: Interesting. Well, welcome Renee Small, our other uh, super recruiter here on the show. Um, Hello. Pete, you were just mentioning uh, some of the expectations that you have to help reset for hiring managers what are some of the the common expectations that you will have to help hiring managers understand and help them reset when they're recruiting for security talent?
1: Well, I think it, it depends on the company, obviously, but there's a few common themes that we see pretty often. Um, the job descriptions tend to be just too needy overall. Uh, they maybe grew their own talent and that person was there for a few years. And so they accumulated a bunch of different responsibilities that doesn't exist in any person outside of the organization. So that happens pretty often. Um, a lot of times we'll have interview processes that'll last five, six rounds, maybe with an assignment thrown in there. Um, and when people are having four or five offers thrown at them all at once, it's, it's kind of hard to land the best people if they have that many options. Um, in my experience, people usually take the path of least resistance. As long as that's a good job and a good offer, they're going to go that route versus jumping through a bunch of hoops. Um, so that's that's certainly something I've seen.
0: That, that definitely makes sense. And shout out to some of our live audiences. Um, hi, Mariello live team uh from atlanta georgia then we have bernard from virginia and uh marcelio is saying hi um in regards to taking the the path of least resistance for candidates do you do you feel that there's really a, a shortage of candidates or Are, like you mentioned, the expectations too high, too specific? Um, What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, I forgot to mention, too, there's a lot of we only want to hire somebody from a direct competitor doing this exact job today. Uh, And that's another problem. Don't get me started on. But um, I'm sorry, what was the question again?
0: Uh, So is there really a shortage of cybersecurity people or is it just... Uh, A misalignment of expectations, like you were talking about, or poaching, um, where you're you're trying to only hire from a limited talent pool, and therefore you have an artificial shortage versus a true shortage where you just don't have enough people in the workforce in general.
1: Yeah, a little of column A, a little little of uh, column B for sure. Um, I've actually graphed this. (laughs) I wish I could throw it up on the screen. Um, But I call it the talent bottleneck, where essentially you have thousands upon thousands of people trying to break into the industry, and they're struggling uh, because there just aren't enough entry-level jobs. But then you have a shortage at the mid-to-senior individual contributor level, um, and that's really where the shortage is. Uh, But if we don't start hiring people into those entry-level roles and training them up, in five, 10 years when a lot more of uh, the boomers and Gen X retire, the shortages are going to get so much worse. So I'm not sure what the solution is to that, but I know we, we have to start addressing it. Um, so yeah, the shortage really is at the mid to senior individual contributor level. I think we have enough executives. I think we have enough management um, and we certainly have enough entry level folks to meet the current demand. Um, but like I said, we got to open up more entry level jobs.
0: Renee, looks like you had something to say.
2: Oh yeah, I I mean, I sound like I'm repeat. He sounds like a carbon copy of what? <laughs> Do they still say carbon copy? What is it? broken record? <laughs> like what I say all the time. So um,
0: carbon copy. He- we use this paper to make carbon copy. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, have have you heard from? Leaders, I can imagine that you inter- interact with you know all a lot of them in this um, in your work in your current work. So I'm curious about if they have has anyone made. I mean, we, we all may, are making the observation. We know we have a ton of people in the entry. We have a, a decent amount of people in at the executive levels, but that mid careers piece is the part where the struggle is coming in. Um, have you heard from leaders and what their you know recommendations are or any kind of you know i feel like there's this this we we get we hear a lot about the challenge we hear a lot about um you know people trying to get in and and the the struggles there but the mid-management obviously is the part and the senior like the tech leads the senior level or experienced hires are the ones that we really need have you heard anything from managers or leaders, really the executives, in terms of what they think the solution is for that?
1: I have this. I think what is the solution? I haven't really heard any other folks talking about solutions. Again, like you said, everybody's identifying the problem. That's that's not an issue, um, but we definitely need more solutions. I personally think what we need is more MSSPs because they can get their investment back after they've trained somebody because those people are profit generating versus cost centers with most security teams. I think the onus is on MSSPs to train and grow their own. Um, I've personally evangelized with my MSSP clients to do that. Um, A lot of times we get pushback though. Uh, the, The response to that is usually, well, you know, what happens if we train a bunch of people and then they leave in a year because they have so many options now, um, so that's the main rebuttal, I think, to that that argument and that idea of training folks at the entry level. Uh, but we got to figure it out somehow. I don't know if it's um, government regulation that that could uh, solve this issue. Uh, I, I almost feel like we have to somehow engineer a market force that encourages the MSSPs to train people. Um, and the security consulting firms and the CPA firms. I work with a lot of consulting firms and that's one way that I advise people to break into the industry is go work for an MSSP or a consulting firm because they'll get their investment back on you. So they're more likely to hire you at the entry level. And there's a lot of campus recruiting programs and stuff like that with the big four and the smaller firms and stuff like that. I I think that's really where we have to go. um, If, you know, Say a hiring manager at Visa is hiring uh, a security engineer, and they have limited budget, and they can't hire two people, they can't hire somebody entry-level. They have a knowledge gap that they need to fill, and there's just no way for them to justify hiring an entry-level person. They don't have any anybody to train that person. Um, they they don't have room to hire two people. So what do you do? Um, so that's why I think the only thing that makes sense is to have the companies that can make their money back on training folks do that. Um, how we push them into doing that, I'm not sure. I've been trying to do it little by little, <laughs> in one connection at a, at a time, as my tagline says, uh, encouraging hiring man- hiring managers to do that. So,
0: I I think a, a great way to do that is what we've been talking about the apprenticeship approach, where you're you're even subsidizing their. Entry-level folks, because you're still in college, they they don't have as many offers as those that are college graduates and might be out there. So you're doing that on-the-job training, getting the certs, and at a reduced cost, and that allows them to uh, get more, train more at a lower cost. And the Department of Commerce helps. Uh, do a lot of those, uh, Department of Labor, sorry, uh, helps do a lot of those. But I, I know people don't like taking the government money for all the strings that comes attached, but you, you could, they could always do it themselves. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think the big challenge for anybody is that it it's a huge time investment to sink into a candidate that if you you know, you don't know if they're going to stick around for longer than six months once they get mm-hmm. that experience. So I think to combat a lot of that, you have to figure out a way to keep people um, once you've invested in training them. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And I think that's a often overlooked piece of all of this is that companies aren't focusing enough on retaining people. Um, and they're reactive in their hiring versus proactive in succession planning. I I uh, listened to one of your guys' episodes where he had an executive on and he was talking about how he basically manages to hire all entry-level people because he's training the higher-ups to move into their boss's position when they get promoted or leave and then basically goes on down the line promoting people until he has an entry-level opening. Uh, that was an awesome technique. I, I wish every company would do that. That's a really really good idea um but yeah finding a way to justify training people i think is the hardest piece and a good way to do that is ensure that you're keeping people so you know really emphasizing benefits being flexible um that's the big thing that everybody can do and it's cheap It's just give people flexible work arrangements or remote work doesn't cost you anything to do that and everybody wants it anyway uh recognition programs. Again, that can be just a free thing that you're recognizing people for their work, but uh, that has a a great impact on employee retention and satisfaction. Um, So those are just a few ideas, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. And one of the comments we have, uh, companies like NCC Group have internship programs where they aim to hire people with experience in different pen testing, internal training on board, and under the supervision of of other programs. Yeah, we we mentioned that a lot of consulting companies do that. Um, Definitely a plug there for one, but um, many of the consulting companies do that. So if you are getting into this space, definitely consider them. Um, Another comment was, Uh, Consider offering incentives for employees to get to higher level certifications and staying. I know some of the companies that I've worked for, they have long term incentive structures where if you stay for X number of years, um, you'll receive a bonus or um, your 401k vests or things like that, that would incentivize longevity and retention.
1: And a great thing about that, too, is you can write it into, you can have the employees sign an agreement that basically says, you know, if you get the certification and then leave in three months, then you'll have to pay it back. So, you know, that can be a further retention tool as well as um, ensuring that the company's not taking a bath on the cost of that you know $5,000 SAN certification. Um, I'm not a big fan of golden handcuffs in general. I think that's kind of a toxic practice, but um, that's one, I guess, tangible solution.
2: And the thing is, um, you will, employees, if the, if the work culture is not the right fit or if toxic or whatever, they'll get some other company to pay that, to pay that back when it comes to the incentive compensation, yeah. I mean, unless it's a huge amount of money, like, you know, I've known, I know of some folks that have gotten a hundred thousand dollar retention bonuses, $50,000 retention bonuses. Now that's yep, a different ball game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, you're going to stay for that, you know, for that year, for that six months or whatever. Um, but I think um, Pete, something you brought up and, and someone else in the comments it's or you, I think someone said, "Did you were you the one that said pay for certifications?" Oh, uh, I think yeah. Ron in the comments said pay for certifications. Pete said um, it as well. Yeah, and Pete said it as well. And it, it the definitely paying for certifications is huge um, because a lot of certifications and training, just like training overall. So I don't want to tie it to certs, but just um, overall training and growth in terms of learning Um, if companies just did that one thing they'd probably be able to retain so many more of their employees because when I get when they get on the phone with me and I'm talking to them about why they're looking to leave and you can see this in a dozen um, various uh, surveys that have been done most people, it's about the growth opportunity. It's about the lack of training. They feel like they're stagnant. They feel like they're not at the cutting edge or getting to the cutting or learning new things. So you're state you're you know you're feeling stagnant, which you can't be insecurity because everything moves so quickly, you know. Um, and I think leaders, if they put in their budget a certain amount of money for this training and development overall, um, that in and of itself would just have, the the people who would be on staff would be more likely to stay if they had, um, if they knew that they can continuously learn um, every year. So without the certification component. So I just want to add that. in.
1: I would just say, too, as far as retention, like when I was at Align, I was their HR guy, too. So I did quarterly check-ins with people. Something so small like that, either be it HR or the hiring manager, if you have like a formal sit-down with your employees every quarter and really get a feel on the pulse of how the team is feeling, you'll, you'll, you'll suss out any potential toxicity that's brewing or, or um discontentment you know uh, and it's important to catch that early before it festers and gets worse and then all of a sudden you lose your whole team um so i think even just listening to people is such a big deal a lot of people don't feel heard you know they feel that they're stagnating because their manager doesn't care and people leave their bosses as they say so yeah sorry no on. No, <laughs> no definitely <laughs> I,
2: and i
0: i think like i, I did a I was recommended a a book recently and we have some viewers that love when we recommend books, but um, I did a review on uh, the new one minute manager, um, which it's helpful to highlight the new part because it, it changed from the old one minute manager. Um, (laughs) And it gives some quick ways that managers can check in, advise and um, manage their folks that, everyone thinks it's so hard but it gives them some quick actionable tips and that's something that they checking in for a a minute every once in a while like that's all that they need to see that they are being seen and valued
1: yeah or if if things are tough right now for whatever reason one of the things when i worked at k force we had a manager that was awesome you know even when we were struggling as a team and hated our jobs, he was there with us, you know, kind of in the trenches and making us feel like we were a cohesive unit. So a lot of those intangible sort of emotional intelligence things, um, I think, make people feel heard and like they, they actually matter. Um, so there's a lot of people I talk to, they feel like just a number. And if you feel like a number and you're disposable, especially in this environment with all the layoffs, um, you know, having that daily or weekly or monthly whatever interaction with your hiring manager can really keep you happy. I think.
0: Yeah. Here's here's a question from one of our audience members. Um, first, since you did both IT and security folks, what are some of the suggestions you would have for them to transition in when they already have potentially five to six years of
1: experience? Yeah, um, there's a lot of people in that situation, and people that are struggling and i think a lot of people struggle because they're approaching the job search the wrong way um so you know if you're going out there and applying to 200 positions and they're all one click apply and each uh, position has 150 applicants um good chance that's not going to go anywhere so i actually have a methodology that that i advise people um to target hiring managers directly on LinkedIn. I guess I can kind of lay it out here. Uh, so first thing I would say is make sure that your LinkedIn profile and your resume have some good security terms in there, uh, to get past a recruiter. It's all about keywords. So, um, using those security terms, if you went and got your security plus, or, you know, if you're doing uh, identity and access management, um, active directory, stuff like that, you can really put your security terms in your resume. Um, And then once you have that, you want to reach out to hiring managers on LinkedIn. So if you see a job posting that looks interesting, instead of just applying to the job, go to the company that has the job, their LinkedIn page. Uh, Once you're there, you click on employees. It'll be a hyperlink that'll list every single employee working at that company. You can filter by location. um, And then once you have that, you can type in what you think the hiring manager's job title might be. So, say it's a security engineer role. Uh, that hiring manager would probably be director, director of security engineering, manager of security engineering, uh, director of security operations, uh, security operations manager. Could be anything like that. You can try a few different options, and you should be able to find that hiring manager just by doing that. Uh, and once you do, you think you found the person, send them a connection request. You have like 200 characters. Say, hey, I noticed you had a, uh, I was doing some OSINT. I noticed you had a position open for X, Y, and Z. Here's why I'm interested. Uh, here's why I think I'm a good fit. And just send them a connection request. And I've had a lot of people find success with that beyond just applying to jobs online. Um, and then another tip I would say, uh, join all of the Discord channels out there. There's a million of them. Uh, if you go to accesscyber.org resources, They have a whole list of Discord channels. So there's one for DFIR, there's one for offensive security, Um, there's a bunch of them out there. Wild West Hack Fest, Bhis Black Hills Information Security has a Discord, Uh, and then you can ask your LinkedIn network if they have some good good Discord channels for you as well. And there you can you can network with people in the security field already. You can ask hiring managers questions. Most of them have mentorship. sections in their channels, uh, and then you can view job postings on there as well.
0: Perfect. Share share that link in in the chat, and I'll share that out with everyone. Uh, We have about time for one more question, Um, but before that, let's highlight some comments. Um, Renee, hope all is well. Thank you for hosting this useful and timely event. Uh, We do this every Thursday at 1 p.m. live. Um, Every Thursday. And then... Renee posting back, happy to see them. Um,
2: <laughs> hey, but P, once for... I don't have to run the whole thing, so I can roll ahead and post back, <laughs> I can say hi. This is great. going to have hey, Chris P... run this show going forward.
0: <laughs> no problem. That's... Oh, my gosh. Hey, P, for someone trying to break into the IT space, is GRC recommended? If yes, do you have an ideal path, such, such as training or required knowledge?
1: Uh, there's the barriers to entry to GRC, I, I think in general, are a lot lower than like security operations. So I think even people that are trying to break into working in a SOC, GRC would be a good place to start um, just because the barriers to entry are lower. And there's a lot of consulting firms that will train people in the GRC space, Um Like I said, there's a ton of them with campus recruiting programs. The big four, Align's got a big one. Now, Shellman's doing a uh, campus recruiting and and training program. Uh, It's a good place to start. I would say, depending on what your background is, my advice would change. So um, I don't know if you have an IT background already or, you know, what what your current status is. That would be helpful. Yeah,
2: they
0: mentioned
1: they had an IT background.
2: No, he said he's trying to break into the IT space. So he may, um, yeah, have, oops, yeah. he may not have, he may not have an IT background. And Pete, I also want to add in, cause I know you talk a lot about um, the campus recruitment efforts, which I think are fantastic. And I agree with you. I've been a campus recruiter, like been literally on campuses, have done that, not in security, but have done it. Um, and have been a re- recipient, like that's how I got my first internship. And my first job was through campus recruitment um, efforts. So it's definitely useful, but the, the challenge sometimes is for people who are not, you know, we tend to get people who are also mid-career, who are making that transition as well as, um, so we have the early career, so people with zero experience then and, and are in college. And then we have some folks that are like going to school while they're working. So that may, you know, as much as that may be helpful for them too um we we always try to think about the folks who are transitioning who are already in the job so they may be making you know 100 grand whatever they're like seasoned in their role and trying to make their transition so um i would also military. ask military folks things like that like for folks that are not going through that going up that path so i don't know when you were in your hr role seeing people coming in from that way like sideways if you had any um if you have any recommendations for them too, because we get we tend to t- tend to get a combination of those three elements trying to break into security.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, when when I was running the campus recruiting program, we actually got second career, mid career folks as well that would come through the program. We just called it campus recruiting program, but basically anybody who. Um, needed to be trained in any way would come through that same program. And they would do like a two week intensive training course when they first came on board, do the initial onboarding, and then a basic primer on IT audit. So uh, a lot of the IT audit firms specifically are doing that even for, for mid career folks. Um, You know, if you already have a background in a, in a successful career in another field, the hardest part is by far going to be the salary expectation adjustment. Um, It's so tough to want to take a a sizable pay cut in a lot of cases. Um, There are some fields where if you have transferable skills, specific subsets of security, you're more likely to get the salary that you're accustomed to. So for instance, um, I talked to a lot of folks that are in law enforcement and they have a host-based forensics background and they end up transitioning into DFIR in the breach response uh, or into like insider threat, um, that type of thing. And they're able to secure similar salaries. It just kind of depends on, you know, what your background is. Um, so entry level salaries in GRC, they're usually around 60,000. It may have gone up in the last few years, I would say probably 60 to 80,000 anywhere in there. Um, if there's any way you can make one of those salaries work just to break into the field, once you have a year of experience, the world is your oyster basically. (laughs) So, um, you know uh, try to i would say in general have a focus on the long term now obviously understand that you know if you have bills to pay there's only so much you can do about that but um just understand that like in the long run it may pay off to take a slight pay cut
0: perfect well i always like to ask uh, one last question of our audience uh, of our guests. sorry and that is if you had one piece of sage advice for someone watching this show in the future that was looking to break into the industry. What would that be?
1: Um, get as involved on LinkedIn as you possibly can. Um, so a lot of folks watching this, they probably already are, but connect with me and Renee and uh, my buddy Joe Hudson, uh, Chris Rides over at Tyro Security, all good people, um, all very well connected in the security space. Naomi Buckwalter, engage with her content. And you'll see a lot of potential hiring managers seeing your comments and shares and stuff like that. Just be as active as you can and be as positive as you can. Um, Stay away from the taboo topics, uh, especially when you're trying to break into the industry. Um, I know it's a lot of comments in one, but (laughs) there you go.
0: (laughs) Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to uh, CISO Thursdays with Breaking into Cybersecurity. Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on YouTube, hit that subscribe and notification button. And then for those of you listening after the fact on podcast, give us a 10-star review on your podcast platform, five if possible, um, and then share with as many friends and family. Thank you, everyone, and have a great Thursday. Thanks.